Welcome to Stratford Lutheran's Sermon Podcast. I am Pastor Alex, and this is a podcast that each week will deliver a new sermon message. These are taken directly from our ongoing sermon series, and you can find them in on YouTube if you would like to watch them, but these are here for your listening pleasure. And I am so thankful that you have taken this opportunity to hear this particular sermon. And as always, if you have any questions, you can reach out to me. I am on Instagram at quorum.dale.life. You can reach me at Undying Light Ministries as I host that podcast, Undying Light. And I'm a co-host of a Matter of Truth podcast. This is just a means to allow my sermons to uh, be listened to at your convenience as a listener. And again, I just want to say I am very appreciative of you taking this opportunity to listen. Now, here's this week's sermon. Tonight's sermon will be taken from Luke in the second chapter, beginning in the eighth verse. And in the same region were the shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy. That will be for all the people. For unto you this day is in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was an angel, a multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and in earth and on earth peace among those with whom he is well pleased. When the angels went away, from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And they had heard it and wondered at the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart, and the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, as it has been told to them. And at the end of eight days, he was circumcised, and he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. I pondered this uh, message for tonight, and I really wanted to try and take this at a very unique angle for the sermon. And so if you would, I want you to maybe close your eyes, and I want you to picture standing in an open field in the cool of night, shepherding some sheep. I want you to 
think about the long hours ahead of you that you have to get through before your time in the field is over. I want you to think about the work that you've already done in that particular day and what is yet to be done. Chances are you're probably standing in this field alone. There's nobody around you except some sheep. You're cold and you're dirty. And as I have really started to ponder this, I wanted to really emphasize the role of the shepherds. Because Luke is the only one that captures this, this little phrase for us here. He's the only one that gives us the insight that the shepherds come. And yet we get all of these profound pictures painted of the shepherds through Scripture. Some would say that they're of the lowest class of societal standards during the time of Jesus. That if you were a shepherd, you were generally poor and unwelcomed by most people. But yet, all through Scripture, we see shepherds being glorified, if you would, being demonstrated that they have some importance. Abraham was a shepherd. So was Moses, who will come after him, and David after him all described as shepherds. And so really, for being a Christian, it should not come to any news to any of us that even Jesus Christ is described as the good shepherd. See, this title carries on even outside of the time of the Bible through church history where pastors and deacons and leaders in the church have often been described as shepherds. So in fact, it wasn't just the outcasts standing in the field. It was for all of us who would come as sheep to our great shepherd who was born tonight. So why this significance? And why does Luke only record this portion of the narrative? Well, there's a few analogies, as you might know, through the New Testament that kind of summarizes the role of a shepherd. One who takes care of his flock, who ensures his flock is protected and fed and watered. And as Jesus even gives a, a very popular analogy, a parable, he says that he will lead the 99 sheep to find the one lost. And this is such a profound statement to make when we really examine scriptures. Because see, it's not dependent upon us. It's solely dependent upon Christ who comes to us. And in this night, this is the moment that we can reflect on the fact that God came to be with man. So I want to spend some time tonight unpacking this particular passage and reflections of these lowly shepherds. So as I started, I wanted to paint this vibrant picture of you standing in the field. And I want us to try and maybe go another level deeper here. I want you to picture yourself standing there. It's dark. It's chilly. The high temperatures in Bethlehem at night were in the low 40s, so it's probably even colder than it is now here. You are tired. And in some cases, you might have even fallen asleep on your shepherd's crook. <coughs> You've got a whole night's worth of work ahead of you and no desire to really carry through. And in the pitch darkness, 
a light shines through. An angel appears, and Luke tells us that the glory of the Lord shines brightly. I can't even begin to fathom the scene as, as you're standing there, you're probably half asleep, unwanting to carry on and just go back home and crawl into bed and take your night nap. But see, then it's in these inopportune moments that God comes to us. It's in these unique times when we are least expecting him that he shows up. And as these shepherds are going around their daily routines and their nightly routines, God interrupts their life. He sends an angel to give them this message. He sends an angel to proclaim the good news. And so as we've carried on our theme throughout this previous year and various sermon messages, God interrupts our time. He steps in and tells you that he has forgiven you of your sin. And when you have this promise, it changes your perspective of life. And just as the moment that these shepherds are standing here in the field wondering what they're going to do in the morning and what they've got on tap for the next few days, an angel appears to them and the glory of the Lord shines bright. But why these shepherds? Why not Herod? Or another king or ruler? Why not the Pharisees? We would think that these would have been the right people to, to tell that their Messiah has come. The religious leaders of the day should have been primed for this moment. But yet, the shepherds were selected because they acted without even hesitating. They discuss amongst themselves and they venture on. I would also venture to say this imagery used in Scripture surrounding the shepherds is one that conveys the promise so perfectly to us. We are sheep, and our Savior comes to us to care for us, to love us, to forgive us. And so just as this angel appears and he begins this proclamation, he addresses the fear that the shepherds have. If you're standing in that field in the darkness of night, and all of a sudden this bright light shines down on you, and this angel appears, what's the first thing that's going to go through your mind? I would venture to say that you will probably be fearful. What in the world is happening? Am I potentially going to die? What is happening to these shepherds? But the angel comes and he says, Fear not, for I bring you good, no good news that unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And really, this is such a paramount statement to make because it is the beginning of the gospel. This is the time that we can reflect upon the truth, knowing that the angels appear to proclaim the good news to the shepherds 
they come and they tell him, unto you this day is born a Savior, one who will save you from your sin, one who will save you from death, and one who will save you from the devil. And for the Christian, this is truly the heart of the gospel. See, Jesus Christ had to come in the form of a baby. He had to be born in this small town. He had to fulfill all of these prophecies given to him, as we will even explore the one from Isaiah tomorrow morning. He had to do each of these little things in order to fulfill the prophecies given about Jesus. The Word of God taking on flesh as a man. This baby that is born will soon grow to be a man. He will begin his ministry, and then he will be killed on a cross for our sin. And these shepherds were the first to hear of this good news. And what I find most profound about this particular passage is this thought that keeps coming back to me that these shepherds had to have known their history. If you are a Jew, then history is something that's really important to your culture. And so you, you know at least the promises given in Scripture. They knew that God had promised a Messiah, a Savior. And they were probably least expecting for them to be the ones selected to hear this good news. But as even just beyond the level of the shepherds, if we look to any person throughout the Old Testament, all of the prophets who came and proclaimed that Christ would come, this time just moves on. The promises continue to build. The story continues to the point of its climax. And interestingly enough, even if these particular shepherds here in Luke chapter 2 knew about these promises, we can reflect back saying that there's been this 400 plus year gap where God has been silent. No prophets have been out proclaiming this birth, the coming birth. And so there has been 400 years of silence. And as we ponder that, it almost feels very relevant for us today. It's been 2,000 years since Jesus ascended to heaven. And as the early church was so fearful that they would miss out on his return, time moves on. And we find ourselves here today on this beautiful December night, sharing in this message, waiting for our Jesus to come back. And so you might have heard these promises, these shepherds might have heard these promises and maybe simply forgot them. Time has elapsed to the extent that it's almost one of those, I'll believe it when I see it moments. And yet this promise has been given over and over again with increasing clearness in the dark hour of the fall. And now the bright and morning star has come, bursting forth on that Judean night. 
joy, glad tidings, great joy, Christ the Messiah, the anointed, long promised, long expected, has finally come, Christ the Lord. This newborn baby laid in a manger, wrapped in swaddling clothes, yet this baby is Lord. He's wonderful counselor, the mighty God, everlasting father, and prince of peace. This baby, this infant, this newborn, is the ultimate fulfillment of all of God's promises. And as the shepherds travel on to Bethlehem, as they were instructed, they travel on in faith. They believed the message that the angels gave them before they even seen the baby Jesus. They believed before they even saw him. And really, it's the same thing for us. We believe before we can even see our Lord. That is all what faith is. We have been given this promise, just as the shepherds have, that to us a Savior is born. For us, we believe before we will even see the return of Jesus. We do not get the privilege of witnessing this holy birth. We do not get to go to Bethlehem and partake in his teaching ministries. We do not get to stand physically at the cross and watch him die. But what we get is the promise that is echoed through the church age to continue to be the power of the gospel that for those who believe, you will be saved. We gather together with this privilege of faith, knowing that this birth, this event, this story is as real as us sitting here tonight are. This child born to us isn't just a fable, it's not a fairy tale, a story some author wrote up, but a historical event in human history that God interrupted our time to send his son. If we continue working through this passage, we come to verse 20. And I find this to be a fascinating verse. It says, when they returned, the shepherds, after they had spent some time with Mary and Joseph and the baby Jesus, when they returned, they go back to work. They go back to work and they praise God. And see, just as we conclude our services later this evening, you will go on to your own respected homes and partake in the celebration of our Messiah being born. You will break bread with your family and I assume unwrap some presents and watch some Christmas movies or music. But then on Monday, you will go back to work. Just as the shepherds did when they were told. See, they weren't told this and then they were exemplified from living out the rest of their lives. They weren't told this message and then they could no longer work. No, the shepherds go back to work. And just as they do, we follow in that line. 
We come together on Sunday mornings and we sing and worship our Savior to go back to work on Monday. But this question I, I find is interesting here. I, I want to just ask you this. When you go back to work or you go home tonight and you spend the next couple of days with family, will you be singing the praises to God? Will you follow in the footsteps of the shepherds? As we reach the end of our time with the shepherds, this section in the Bible is kind of concluded with a very interesting verse. It has nothing to do with the shepherds, has nothing to do with the story that we've just told, but yet it's included in the markings in most Bibles. And it sometimes can really seem out of place, but yet there is such profound truth in this. See, as Paul writes in his letters, he says that Jesus was born of a woman, born under the law, that he might redeem them, which were also under the law. He must do these things in order to fulfill all righteousness. This truly divine moment in our time where God has stepped in and sent his son. And so this final verse tells us that Jesus on the eighth day was then circumcised and given his name Jesus. Without understanding the greater scope of the story, it might seem like a verse is just kind of there. It's out of place. It doesn't flow with the story of the shepherds. But it yet, it fulfills the entire story of God's redemptive plan for us. As Paul tells us that he must do all of these things in order to fulfill all righteousness. Jesus must fulfill everything. Because if we continue reading in Luke, we'll see that in 40 days, he will then be dedicated in the temple. And then his parents throughout his life, as we will come together on Sunday and discuss, Go to Jerusalem every year on the Passover. All of these things in the life of a first century Jew must be done as Jesus was born a Jew, born under the law, so that he might redeem those under the law. And I want to close with this. This baby conceived by the Holy Ghost born of a Virgin Mary. This statement that we profess when we cite the Apostles' Creed later tonight and the Nicene Creed, this statement that Jesus Christ was born of this Virgin Mary, conceived by the Holy Ghost. Can you respond and say, I believe? Is that statement ringing true in your head that I come to hear the message of Jesus Christ and I come to hear the story of his birth and I can say without a doubt I believe because see this is the question that is at the heart of all of our faith that we believe that Jesus Christ came to us conceived by the Holy Ghost born of a virgin and born under the law 
born into this small town, into a stable and wrapped in swaddling clothes and then placed into a manger. This innocent baby who does no wrong will soon die on a cross for us. This innocent child. I had a good friend of mine write up this little poem as I end my sermon. I want to share this with you. It says, Hope was born in the dark. The brightest of lights came in the deep of night. He was born with nobodies for parents. He was born in an overlooked shed, born in a tiny town with a bad reputation. The first one to hear him, hear of him, were outcasts. Some of his first gifts were burial spices. His life was characterized by shining hope and light to the nobodies, the outcasts, the overlooked. And when he died, he died an outcast, surrounded by nobodies, buried in an overlooked tomb on the bad side of town with burial spices given as a gift. Hope, it would seem, is snuffed out by the dark. Little did the world know that the first time he came, he came as a candlelight in the night. The second time he comes, the entire universe will know and will sing Gloria, O Gloria, and Excelsius Deo. So this Christmas Eve, I want to ask you this question. Do you believe this? Amen.